What's happening, y'all? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship podcast here at the Land Grant Holy Land Network of Podcasts. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. And folks, Ohio State is not only Big Ten champions for the third straight year, but for the first time since 2016, they are back in the college football playoff. So we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to break down the game, maybe a little bit of playoff talk and, and discuss the the seeding and where Ohio State stands as they're going to play Clemson on the 28th in that two versus three matchup. But a lot of fun things to discuss today. As always, if you're a subscriber to the show, if you listen regularly, or if it's your first time, please be sure to go on over to Apple, leave a review, leave a comment, let us know what we can do to make this show and all of our shows here on Land Grant and Holy Land better, and follow along on Spotify. I don't really know where to start today, because we can talk about the game and everything that happened there, and there's there's a lot to get to on that front, and we can also talk about the playoff, which is arguably the more important news, the more breaking news that Ohio State is going to play Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl on the 28th. Why don't we just start there? Let's talk about what happened this morning. I'm recording this maybe like 45 minutes after the announcement that Ohio State uh, is going to play Clemson in the playoff. And really the the big story and the talk on Twitter and this whole deal after Ohio State won last night was whether they were going to be the one seed or uh, LSU was going to be the one seed after what they did to Georgia. And eventually, the, you know, the committee decided that LSU was going to get the one. So Ohio State gets the two. I don't really have much of an issue with it. LSU's a very deserving team. I, I think at the very least they were, they're, they're one of the three best teams in the country. I, I honestly think that the committee would have been justified even putting Clemson as number one. I know we talked about how they looked early in the season, but over the course of the last six, seven weeks, they've played as good as anybody. So I didn't really have a problem with LSU being one and Ohio State being two. I think you would rather play Oklahoma in this situation. But you know what? You're going to have to beat great teams to win the national championship anyway. And uh, the, the run that Ohio State is on with their schedule is super daunting. But if they finish off the season by beating Wisconsin twice in, in the span of a month, and within that, in a three-week stretch, you beat Penn State, you beat Michigan on the road, and you win the Big Ten Championship against Wisconsin in the game you were down, and you win all of those games by double digits, and then you go into the playoff and you beat the defending national champions and whoever wins that other game. Now you're talking about being one of the greatest teams of all time and going on one of the greatest runs of all time. So, you know, Ohio State is two wins away from a national championship, and you got to beat good teams to do it. And I think that this is a challenge for them that they are probably very excited for because this was a team I know really nobody was around for the 2016 game. There's, there's not a lot of guys who are on that roster that are still on this roster. But that's still something I think that they're going to look at is, hey, the last time we were on this stage, we got embarrassed pretty good. And that's really the reason why Ohio State brought Ryan Day in after what happened in that game and in that season. So it's kind of all been leading up to this. And, and that's something I've talked about here on the show a little bit before. And I've dropped it at least a couple of times that in my ideal world for Ohio State to, to get back and win the national championship, they're going to have to go through Clemson. This is a team that they haven't beaten and a team that when they were on this stage the last time embarrassed them pretty good. So you you have your shot 
at not only redemption, because I, I don't think that really matters to them in the grand scheme of things, but to prove yourself against a team that has won, what, 28 straight games. The, the, they are the defending national champion, easy for me to say. And uh, th- this is one where, you know, I, I think that Ryan Day can really cement what he is and what differentiates himself uh, from Urban Meyer and that this is truly his program now. This isn't just, oh, Ryan Day is winning with Urban Meyer's players. This is Ryan Day is, is taking this program to new heights, which is crazy to say. But we'll talk more about the playoffs here in the, in the coming weeks. We have a lot of time before that game is played. I think it's, what, 20 days from now? So we got a ton of podcasts to break down that actual matchup and uh, and how that looks. I think if you're if you're looking from, from my opinion right now, I think if Ohio State played Clemson today or, or next week, that they'd probably lose. It'd be a close game, but I'm very scared of what Clemson has offensively with their skill position talents. And uh, I, just the linebacker play. I, I know we've talked about it. But that really scares me in this matchup. But I think Ohio State will uh, will come out with some adjustments on their defense. But I think it's going to be a very fun and entertaining matchup. And, and I can't wait to see these two teams go at it and see if Ohio State can finally knock these guys off and, and get to the national championship. And that, I think, is a good segue into talking about what happened last night in, re- in recapping that game and, uh, and how Ohio State is going to move forward against Clemson and some of the lessons we can take from what we saw last night and apply them to what may happen against Clemson. So for weeks when Ohio State was just rolling through teams, basically before the Penn State game, what really the only knock on them or the thing that you would hear the most was, hey, what, what's going to happen if they get punched in the mouth? What's going to happen if a team out schemes them in the first half? Are they going to be able to adjust or are we going to see what we saw against Iowa and Purdue, are, are things just going to snowball? Does Ohio State have an egg in their back pocket that they're going to lay? Because we've seen it the last two years. Is that going to come this year? And uh, the last three weeks, I think we've seen what this team does when faced with adversity. Penn State, they they were rolling. They're up 21 nothing. Make a couple mistakes. Penn State fires back. Chris Olave makes the big play. Basically puts the nail in that game, Ohio State finishes it off. Then they go to Michigan. Michigan scores on their first drive, plays really well offensively in the first half, and it looks like, man, Michigan's they're, they're starting to roll. They're, they're doing some good things. How's Ohio State going to respond? They respond in the second half, completely, basically shut down Michigan's offense, do whatever they want offensively, make some big plays, win by 30 points on the road against their biggest rival. Then this week, they have to beat Wisconsin again. And for whatever people want to say about Wisconsin and them losing to Illinois earlier in the season before they played Ohio State the first time and maybe not having the, the greatest resume outside of beating um, Minnesota last week, Wisconsin is a very tough team. Wisconsin is disciplined. They're well-coached. They, they have more talent than people want to admit. Uh, I said this on Twitter last night. Everybody that got upset about Jonathan Taylor winning the Big Ten running back of the year award and, oh, he's overrated and he never does anything against Ohio State. Everybody that said that was pretty quiet last night. I I didn't see many of you saying anything about Jonathan Taylor when he was ripping off some runs. So, you know, you got to put some respect on Wisconsin's name because they're a pretty good team. And for Ohio State to have to play them again and beat them again and do it 
I think is very impressive. And early on in the game, I saw a lot of people comparing this to Purdue and Iowa early on when Wisconsin scored that late first half touchdown to make it 21-7. It was like, uh, now, now we're seeing it. It's happening again. Wisconsin's rolling. The defense looks like they did in 2018 and 2017. This is just is what it is. Big stage and Ohio State's getting rolled. I never really felt that way because nothing Ohio State did screamed to me like, oh, they're pissing this game away. Wisconsin deserves a lot of credit for how they played in the first half last night. They had a great scheme. They went right down the field on their first drive. Five plays, 83 yards, touchdown. They punt the second time they get the ball. Third time they get the ball, 14 plays, 80 yards, touchdown. Uh, Jack Cohn did some things. He scrambled out of out of uh, the grasp of Ohio State players a couple times. They ran a couple zone reads for him where he kept, I think it was on that touchdown, where he just went right up the middle. They had some adjustments for Ohio State. They showed some new things. They didn't stick completely to what Wisconsin's MO is. And that's something that Tyler from Bucky's Fifth Quarter in our preview podcast talked about was, hey, how much is Wisconsin going to, what are they going to throw in their back pocket at at Ohio State that they haven't shown anyone? And I think that as much as we want to complain from the Ohio State side that the defense kind of got ran over and, and got out-muscled and out-physicaled and the offense maybe got pushed around in the first half and Wisconsin brought a lot of pressure. Um, I, I think that's more so credit to Wisconsin for just playing really well. They had a great scheme in the first half on both sides of the ball and they were able to knock Ohio State in the mouth and kind of knock them backwards and you thought, okay, that if, if there's a time that this team is facing adversity, yeah, you you gave you made a couple of mistakes against Penn State a few weeks ago, but you still had the lead, and it never really looked like you were going to lose the game to Michigan. This is one where Ohio State definitely could have lost, and when they gave up that late first half touchdown, Wisconsin got the ball up 14-7. Ohio State scored. Looked like they finally had a little bit of juice in them. That okay, you, you get down 14-7 at half. Wisconsin's vastly outplayed you, but you get the ball to start the second half. Offense is kind of figured things out a little bit. Okay, we're in a good place. Wisconsin gets the ball back with 42 seconds left and on first down, I think was the what, 40-yard Jonathan Taylor run where he just stiff-armed Pete Warner right into the face and then they get the ball right there. Quintez Cephas has the big catch and they score and they leave 10 seconds left on the clock. They they didn't even have to really work to score that touchdown with 42 seconds left and when that offense is able to just drive down the field in 30 seconds and score a touchdown on you, uh, you know it, it It may not be your night. So that's how I felt going into halftime, was that Wisconsin just had a great scheme, a great plan, and they executed it very well. And it was going to be up to Ohio State to make the necessary adjustments to come back and win. And that, to me, is the most defining thing about this game, about this team, and about this coaching staff. And that was on display more so than, than anything else last night because whether it was that Penn State game or the Michigan game or last night whenever they've needed to adjust they've been able to adjust on both sides of the ball because we we talked a little bit about the defense offensively right from the jump you look at Ohio State's first drive nine plays 41 yards they turn the ball over on downs Justin Fields tries to scramble Wisconsin's just all over him and that was really a theme early on in this game Ohio State couldn't really do much on first and second down 
running the ball. The runs weren't there to open things up. Justin Fields' mobility was a question. I, he did have a couple of really good scrambles. I thought he looked he looked actually healthier than I thought he would look, and he ran a little bit more than I thought he would, but none of that was really designed. And Wisconsin knew that. They knew that he wasn't going to keep on some of those reads. Those were, those were predetermined, basically, from the jump that he was going to hand those balls off. So that element of the offense was really taken out. They didn't have that to lean on. So Wisconsin was just able to send pressure at at the run game on those standard downs. And then when Ohio State would get into third and eight, third and seven, they just brought the heat. And that was really a defining moment or defining portion of this game early on because even in the good drive that Ohio State had early, uh, the, the fumble near the goal line, 10 plays, 68 yards, they're able to move the ball, and then they get to third and goal at the Wisconsin 7. Fields can't find anyone open, scrambles, fumbles the ball, and at that point, now you're really starting to think, okay, this this has potential to get out of hand. So Wisconsin really brought it to them defensively, and Ohio State got beat up. J.K. Dobbins got beat up in pass protection, and they were forced to figure out what to do. And on the other side, it was pretty much the same thing. Wisconsin showed them some new looks. They just gave the ball to Jonathan Taylor. He did his thing, and they were beating Ohio State's corners one-on-one on the outside. It didn't help that Jeff Okuda went off the field, uh, when was it, in the second quarter? Early in the second quarter, I think, with what looked like a thumb injury. Then, I think the broadcast said it was a head injury, and Wisconsin was really targeting Quintez Cephas, their leading receiver, and... They're having a tough time containing him, whether it was Damon Arnett, uh, Cameron Brown, I think, was on him for a little bit, and even the safety play behind him with Jordan Fuller, who I, I thought had a really rough first half, they couldn't really do much with Quintez Cephas. He was able to make some plays, make some one-on-one plays, and they really needed Jeff Okuda, and he was able to come back in and pretty much shut down Cephas in the second half. I have a tweet from Bill Landis. I think this was later on in the fourth quarter. Uh, that he sent out last night that Cephas was targeted 10 times in the first half when Jeff Okuda wasn't playing. And then Okuda came back in in the third quarter. And at that point, he had only been targeted once in the second half. And they were really sticking uh, Okuda on Cephas on third down. And he pretty much neutralized him. So that was one of the big adjustments. And Jeff Okuda uh, was able to have a really, really strong second half. I would imagine that pro personnel going back and watching the film of that game are going to be super impressed with what they saw from Jeff Okuda against Quintez Cephas. And that was a big deal for this defense to have him on the field and to be able to lock down Wisconsin's number one receiver. So that was one part of the adjustment. And just defensively, overall, when you look at what Wisconsin did in the first half, they pretty much ran the ball down their throat. They were able to convert and be efficient through the passing game. And then in the second half, I've told you guys before, I'm not great with X's and O's, so I'll have to wait and rewatch the game and read what other people are saying about the specific adjustments that Ohio State made. But just from an overall number standpoint, Wisconsin had 163 total yards in the second half and 83 of them were on the last drive of the game that they had when it was already a two-possession game. Game was basically over. So all intents and purposes, they held Wisconsin to 80 second-half yards. And whether that was improved secondary play, 
improved linebacker play, which was very bad in the first half and scares me a great deal against Clemson, or the defensive line uh, being able to give Chase Young a little bit more help because I don't know if you guys saw the screen grab floating around where there was three Wisconsin guys just shielding off Young on one of those plays. That's pretty much what they did. They they were going to force Ohio State to have somebody other than Chase Young beat them, and I thought that the interior of the line got better as the game went on. Jay Sean Cornell made a couple of plays. I think Davon Hamilton made a couple of plays, and then you got some pressure from uh, Tyler Friday as well and Tyreek Smith, So and Zach Harrison for that matter too, and that's going to be something that's really important going forward is that whoever Ohio State plays, I mean other than Clemson if they win, Clemson and that game ahead, that strategy is probably going to be very similar that a lot of attention is going to be focused on Chase Young and not letting him be the one to beat them. So these next couple of weeks, it's really important for Friday, Smith, Harrison to get better in practice. And one of those guys is going to need up and need to step up and make a big play in this playoff game if Ohio State's going to win, I think. Last thing on the defense, real quick. I know I mentioned the yardage, but take a look at Wisconsin's drive chart from the second half. Uh, First drive, fumble, four plays, negative nine yards. I think that was when they dropped the snap on the punt. Next drive, 10 plays, 44 yards, missed field goal. Third drive, three plays, eight yards, punt. Three plays, no yards, punt. Eight plays, 37 yards, downs. Last drive, 10 plays, 83 yards, end of game. So outside of that last drive, Ohio State basically shut down anything Wisconsin was able to do. I think the the field goal kick was what? Um, Looking at the box, a 48-yarder. So it wasn't even like they they gave up a ton of ground there and made that an easy kick. That was a really tough kick. Dude just booted it. And at that point, it was 21-17, to and you felt like, or I felt like, okay, this is the time. If they make a drive here and score a touchdown, not that this game is over, but they're not going to give up this lead. There's no way that they're going to come back from 21 to 7, get the lead, and then blow it. At that point, it felt like if Ohio State got the lead, they were going to be able to shut the game down. And that's exactly what they did. I'm going to talk about that and what I saw from the offense here in a second. But before we do that, probably a good time to take a break, recalibrate where I'm at talking about this game because I feel like I'm, I'm jumping all the way around because there was so much good stuff that happened and there's so many takeaways from this game so I hope I'm concise enough with this and breaking it down but I'm going to take a quick break and when I come back we'll talk about uh, what the offense did and Justin Fields just being a tough son of a bitch all that and more right here on the hangout in the holy land what's up everyone welcome back into the hangout in the holy land we're talking about Ohio State's 34 to 21 win over Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game last night the Buckeyes our Big Ten champs for the third year in a row. And oh yeah, they are back in the playoff. Going to play Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl on December 28th. The two versus three matchup. We're talking about that win and uh, how Ohio State looked. And really, I guess the theme for today is how Ohio State adjusted. And we talked about the defense and what they were able to do in, in shutting down Wisconsin in that second half. And offensively, I don't know if it was more of the same. The adjustments were just different because maybe you feel different. I never felt like at any point in this game that Ohio State's defense or offense, excuse me, was just getting completely shut down because the first drive, they went nine plays, 
41 yards. They, they got stopped on fourth down with a great play by Wisconsin's defensive line and great coverage behind that. Second drive, 10 plays, 50 yards, they punt. Third drive, 10 plays, 68 yards, they move the ball inside Wisconsin's 10, have a chance to at least kick a field goal and put three on the board, they fumble. Fourth and last drive of the half was 10 plays, 71 yards, touchdown, the uh, the two-yard touchdown run by J.K. Dobbins where they converted a couple of third downs. First, there was the, looking at it right now, the third and three at the 47 pass completed to Garrett Wilson. I think that was the one where he had to go up and get it. Really nice catch by Garrett Wilson. And then there was a third and nine at the Wisconsin 46 where uh, Fields completed a pass to Chris Olave for 16 yards for a first down. And then they got down inside uh, the five with the pass to K.J. Hill, the 27-yarder, and Dobbins punched it in. So at no point in the first half did I ever really feel like, man, the offense isn't moving. They aren't doing much because every time they got the ball, they did something with it, but Wisconsin would make a good play or there was an unforced Ohio State error, and it, it just felt like if they just if they just get a little bit of juice, they'll be able to roll. And Wyatt Davis also went down in the first half. He, he came back into the game, but it, it almost felt, like I said, it felt like the 2013 game where like they were just on the verge of doing something really good, and then something would happen. You know, Wisconsin, even in the second half, they scored the touchdown when they got the ball and just went right down the field. Five plays, 75 yards. Uh, they had the big completion to Chris Olave on the broken play, the 50-yarder, which I, I think was the play that kind of turned the switch in this game. Like, okay, we can we can make big plays on these guys. We can make it happen. It was a really nice play by Justin Fields, a great throw and a great ad lib by Olave to get down the field. And then Jeremy Ruckert with just an amazing catch that one-hander and at that point that's when it really started to shift because then on the next drive they get Wisconsin to go three and out and Wisconsin fumbles the punt and Ohio State gets the ball at the Wisconsin 16 and they just stall. Fields missed a wide open Luke Farrell on an out route or I guess one of those just flat routes where he I don't know if he would have scored a touchdown but he definitely would have gotten the first down and at that point they probably score tie the game up and then just run away with it but they're forced to kick a field goal and so even then it was just like oh these little things are, are keeping them from getting back into this game and taking the lead but then they got the ball back after that missed field goal and go seven plays 69 yards for the touchdown to take the lead. And by that point, the offense really felt like it was starting to roll. They had the third and seven completion to KJ Hill, which I I think at that point he set the record for most receptions in Ohio State history. So congrats to KJ Hill on that. But then J.K. Dobbins had a seven-yard run, then a 17-yard run. And then they draw the pass interference. Austin Matt goes down the field. And then K.J. Hill, that touchdown pass from Justin Fields, another great ad-lib play. And if this is if this is Justin Fields on a bum knee, I can't wait to see him in three weeks when he is presumably much healthier against Clemson. So I know I said it before the break talking about just what a tough son of a bitch Justin Fields is. He's one of the toughest players I've ever seen play at Ohio State for him to take the punishment he does and face the pressure that he did last night in his first year as a starting quarterback and to do what he did in the second half and win Big Ten Championship 
MVP honors uh, is is just amazing. He made some incredible plays in the second half. And the receivers deserve a lot of credit too because there was a lot of plays that were either 50-50 balls or they were just really tough catches. Austin Mack had a one-handed catch. Talked about Ruckert's unbelievable catch. Garrett Wilson had one where he kept the play alive on a third down. So the receivers deserve a lot of credit too, but I'm just in awe watching Justin Fields play quarterback and the things that he's able to do in his first year and with a bum knee, it's just, it's very impressive. That brings me to what I thought was the play of the game and the play that really cemented that, hey, this is Ohio State's moment. This team isn't going to let this slip through their fingers. They're going to take control of their own destiny and make it happen. Sorry, there's so many cliches there and so much of what I just said is so stupid, but that's how I felt watching this play. So 1340 left in the fourth quarter, third and 18. At this point, Ohio State's up 24 to 21. They've been able to move the ball on Wisconsin in the second half. The defense is playing really well, but it's also at that point where, hey, one one play can change the game. Wisconsin gets a turnover, they get good field position, and they're right back in it, and they can get the lead. So third and 18, Justin Fields drops back. I'm, I'm watching it right now, and just throws an absolute laser over a Wisconsin either linebacker or corner to Benjamin Victor on the sideline, who's surrounded by three guys in a triangle, and he's four or five yards short of the first down line. He jukes one guy, jukes the linebacker coming at him when he cuts across the field, has the first down, and then there's a safety right there at the 19-yard mark. He stops on a dime, makes that guy miss, and gets like 10 extra yards and powers through for whatever, a 29, 30-yard gain. That play on both fronts, the the throw by Fields to make that throw to that hash and that sideline and and put it over the defender and in front of the, the other defender to Benjamin Victor right on the money was impeccable. Great throw. And then Benjamin Victor to work that hard to cut across, juke two guys, and then pick up 10 extra yards. Uh, that, that play was astounding, and it reminded me of the play that Victor made against Penn State to bring them back in that game in 2018, whatever, the, the 37 or 40-yard touchdown catch where he went across the field. So for Benjamin Victor to have that moment as a senior to make that play. I don't I I don't want people to forget about that play. That play to me was the play of the game and that's the moment where I felt like okay, they've they've taken complete control of this game and then I think 3 or 4 plays later that was the uh, the touchdown to KJ Hill. I think I may have confused the first one is the play that Fields kind of ad-libbed, but it was the second one where he rolled left, kind of adjusted, Hill adjusted to him and he threw the touchdown to him. That was awesome play. So as much as the adjustments play into it, and I know that's what I've spent the most time talking about here is how the coaches and the players adjusted to what Wisconsin was doing. That's all great, but it's also a testament to how talented this team is, how well coached they are, and just the the moment isn't too big for this team. Whenever they've had a moment where it felt like the the game was kind of shifting, whether it was against Penn State or Michigan or last night, They've been able to seize it, and they've been able to to make the most of it and turn it into their favor. and And I don't think that that's a luck thing. That those are things that great teams do. And make no mistake, no matter what happens against Clemson, 
this is a great team. They're 13 and 0. They have done things that I don't think any other Ohio State team has done. The the way that they play on both sides of the ball and on special teams even, um, we we just haven't seen that from an Ohio State team. And for them to not only have the talent, but just the focus and to be so well coached in those moments to just execute. It's rare, and it's something that elite teams do, and and this is a very elite team. So to see that all come together on the field is pretty special. In that same vein, and I know it didn't lead to anything, but how about that fake punt in the second quarter that Ryan Day called? And that was that was the drive where Justin Fields fumbled inside the ten. So it didn't it didn't lead to anything, but I thought that was a big moment too, because at that point it was fourteen to nothing. Ohio State was punting from their own what was it their own twenty five. And Ryan Day has the stones to call a fake punt with Drew Chrisman, who threw the ball to what, to, to Luke Farrell. And I, I know I wasn't expecting it. I think I had my head down and I was either typing something or, or writing something down on my notepad. And I look up and, and there's Drew Chrisman just firing a strike for a first down. And it didn't lead to points, but it felt like, okay, Ryan Day isn't playing around. Ryan Day isn't scared of these guys. He's not scared of the moment and I go back to that um that call they made against Maryland where they did the onside kick and they they kicked it over to Chris Olave for him to call two special teams plays like that this season really goes to show I think the trust level between him and the players you know Drew Christman's been around for a long time Luke Farrell is experienced Chris Olave is experienced they have guys that they can trust to make plays in the special teams game when either they, they want to go for a kill shot like they did against Maryland or, hey, we, we need a kick in the ass. We need some juice. We need to make a play. Nobody expected that. And if it doesn't work, Wisconsin probably scores. They probably kick a field goal at the very least. And can this is this game different if Wisconsin gets up 21 to nothing? I'm glad we'll never know. <laughs> That's I, I don't know. They probably could have come back. But a three-touchdown lead at that point would have been pretty daunting. And for Ryan Day to call that fake punt on his own 25 takes some stones. And it didn't, to me, it didn't feel like, when was the last fake punt that Ohio State called? I know it was really bad. The Michigan game in 2016 that just had zero chance of working and reeked of desperation. Maybe maybe if it would have worked, I would think about it differently, obviously. But this one probably because it worked. It, it didn't really reek of desperation, I guess because it's Ryan Day and whenever they make a play like that, it's like, oh, that's just Ryan Day. That's him scheming up. He knows the tendencies of what the opponent does. And, and you can guarantee that they said, hey, if, if this is the look we get, let's do this thing. And so that fake punt didn't feel like desperation. It felt like, hey, we get the look, run the fake punt. And that's what they were able to do and even though it didn't amount to anything, that felt almost like a stabilizer in the game. Like, okay, let's calm it down a little bit. The offense was able to get a couple of first downs after that drive into Wisconsin territory. And even though they fumbled, you could feel the confidence of, hey, we, we can move the ball on these guys. Let's just get it back and we'll do something with it. And I think it was the next drive. They got the ball back and they scored the touchdown to make it 14-7. to Circling back to a couple other things that I, I may have missed here talking about this game, uh, J.K. Dobbins. I think it was on our podcast last week. Maybe it was the one I did over at Bucky's fifth quarter with Tyler. But talking about J.K. Dobbins, one of the most important things to me is 
how well he was managed early in the season. You know, we always we look back at those early games and on those recaps, it was like, oh, damn, J.K. Dobbins only had 18 carries or he only had eight carries against Miami of Ohio. This staff did a really, really good job all season of managing his carries, only 12 against Maryland, 17 against Rutgers. And we all talked about, you know, J.K. Dobbins has no fourth quarter carries. They did that for this stretch because the last three weeks, J.K. Dobbins has had 36 carries against Penn State, 31 against Michigan, and then 33 for 172 last night. He's an absolute workhorse, and that's why they kept him fresh all year. And now he has three extra weeks to rest before playing Clemson. Um, the, the staff deserves a lot of credit for the way that they've utilized the running game and utilized J.K. Dobbins this year. And of course, he deserves a lot of credit because he's now at, uh, he's, he's at 1,829 yards and 20 touchdowns rushing. So J.K. Dobbins with at least one game left. The, the dream of 2,000 yards rushing is on the table. I don't know if he's going for 170 against Clemson, but uh, hopefully he'll have two games to reach that 2,000-yard uh, marker. That'd be a really special way for him to end this season and to end his Ohio State career. So I, I can't think of many runs that really stand out to me last night in terms of like highlight real quality. I'm going to go back and watch the game today for, for a third time, this time sober after last night. <laughs> But he just ran tough, and that's really what he's done all season and the last three weeks in particular. He's just run really tough, and when they need yards, J.K. Dobbins is able to get them. Uh, the one run, I think, was was on that fourth and one where it looked like he was stopped short, and he was able to turn his body and get the first down. So J.K. Dobbins, whether it's in the open field or between the tackles, continues to just be very strong in the way that they, uh, the way that they managed him is paying dividends now because he's running tough late into the season and 13 games into the season. You just, you love to see that. Finally, my, my last takeaway from this game and, and this team overall for the 2019 season as we get to the playoff and, and talk about Clemson in the next couple of weeks and something that I noticed yesterday against Michigan and, and really against Penn State as well, and they've, they've done it all year, is this team, when they get some juice, when they get some juice flowing, they are like a runaway train, man. They really start to roll and they just impose their will on teams. And it feels like playing NBA Jam. Like they make a couple of shots and you feel it. Oh, he's he's heating up. They're heating up. They're starting to make some plays. And then that third play happens or the fourth play happens in a row, whether it's the defense getting off the field on a three and out, forcing a punt, and then the offense gets like a first down on the first play. And you can just kind of feel that train start to roll. When this team has juice, they, they, they are the best team in the country. When they're, when they're starting to roll, when they've figured out what defenses and offenses are, are doing against them, when they're schemed up and ready to go and they start making a couple plays, they stack two, three good plays in a row. They just they look unbeatable. And uh, they're in for a really big fight against Clemson. But we saw it last night that when they started to gain their footing and just go out there and play football and make plays, they bullied Wisconsin. And that was so impressive because Wisconsin just punched them so hard in the first half on both sides of the ball and that they were able to withstand that and get off the mat, make a couple of plays. And that like when it was 21 to 14 when they scored that touchdown to make it a seven point game. I don't know how you guys felt, 
But in my mind, I was like, they're going to come back and win this game. It, it never crossed my mind when it was 21-14. to 14, Like, oh, they're going to give up another touchdown. It's going to be a two-score game again, and Wisconsin's going to win. No, when they, when they made it a seven-point game, I felt like they're going to get a stop, they're going to score a touchdown, and they're going to take the lead. Even when they had to settle for that field goal after the punt, I still felt really good. And I think that you can kind of feel the confidence exuding from this team. And so when when things start to roll for them, it's just, like I said, it's like a runaway train and they are the best team in the country and, and they're going to get a chance to prove that because they are two wins away from a national championship and they're about to play the defending champions, a team that's won 28 straight games and is starting to play their best football. And uh, this is a team that has the talent on both sides all year, even if we've said, hey, Penn State's pretty good, Michigan's pretty good, this Wisconsin team's pretty good, Ohio State's had better athletes than all of them. That's not the case coming up. Clemson is very much an equal to what they do. So this is going to be a really fun matchup, and uh, I'm excited to see how it stacks up and how Ohio State does because when, when they're rolling, man, they look like they can just stomp out anyone. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about this game and preview it. we got a lot of time, so make sure to stick around on LandGrantHolyLand.com and stay tuned to the podcast, whether it's on Apple or on Spotify. we got a lot of great content coming your guys' way on all of those feeds. Uh, I am at DubsCo on Twitter. Send any questions you have about the game and this matchup to at HolyLandPod. We didn't do like the mailbag episode today for this recap because there was so much going on. But maybe on Wednesday or early next week, we'll do a mailbag episode and just kind of get initial thoughts about this game and what you guys think of how Ohio State and Clemson stack up. But it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. I know I can't wait. I'm already super excited for this game and everything else happening uh, during bowl season. So we got a lot to talk about. That's going to wrap up today's show. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope I was able to do a decent enough job in recapping what we saw yesterday uh, from Ohio State's win. And I I can't wait to start breaking down uh, this next game. But thank you guys for listening. I'll be in touch later this week. Remember to send your questions and comments over to at Holy Land Pod so we can talk about them. And get ready for Ohio State playing Clemson. The Buckeyes, back-to-back-to-back Big Ten champs, back in the playoff. Uh, You love to see it. And we'll talk to you later on this week on the Hangout in the Holy Land and Go Bucks.